Good morning, good morning. We are dancing in with Soul Makasa, Mano Dibango. This is Charlotte Farrell, your own sister C, right here in the place to be, CJSF Radio 90.1, with your Friday Speak Up show. Have we got a treat in store for you. Yes, I do have something special again for you today. I'm sharing a recording of yesterday's Powered by Age podcast discussion on raising a two-spirit child into healthy adulthood. We were honored to have as the presenter Kendra Crowell, an elder knowledge keeper and leader of an indigenous elders creativity group. Leading into that recording, we're going to hear a coast Salish welcome song, acknowledging our presence on sacred unceded lands of the Salish nations. Powered by Age. Powered by Age is a senior-led podcast, and today we have a special facilitator for our presentation, and that is Kendra Kroll, and Kendra is a knowledge keeper, and she works with a group of indigenous elders who are learning the technology, and over time are going to be also joining us in presentations, but uh, today our special topic is Two-Spirit, and she'll be exploring that from four different perspectives. First, on raising a two, well, what is two-spirit? Understanding what two-spirit is, what it means, then raising a two-spirit child. Uh, we'll be looking at uh, a wedding, first transgender, transgender wedding in uh, British Columbia. And we will be talking, she'll be talking about how the culture, Matisse culture has helped with her understanding and raising and dealing with the challenges. So at this time, I'll have each person that's on introduce yourself and give an adjective that reflects how you are feeling today. Gail? You. Sorry, I was uh, trying to get my notepad. Hey, my name's Neil. I'm a writer, a poet, 
Uh, I'm a senior. I'm well into being a senior, uh, but fortunately healthy. Um, what else can I tell you? Uh, I've traveled the world. My, my favorite saying is I've been from South Island, New Zealand to North Island, Iceland, and a thousand places in between. The traveler. Welcome to being here. <laughs> hi, Robin. <laughs> Gail? Uh, hi, I'm Gail Harwood. Uh, I'm a writer, and uh, I've also traveled much of the world. Uh, Africa, uh, parts of Asia, um, parts of South America. And when I finally came home after my sojourn, I traveled this great country of ours. Uh, and I still have Nunavut and Newfoundland to do. <laughs> Wow. So, um, uh, my word for today is thoughtful reminiscences. Two words. Nice. Uh, Judith? Hi, I'm Judith Rainey, and I'm uh, venturing forth into learning new things through podcasting and feeling uh, really kind of overwhelmed at the moment. Well, that's a word. <laughs> uh, okay, Neil, I mean, sorry, Luke. Yeah, my name is Luke and uh, I'm feeling very hungry this morning, afternoon, whatever time it is. <laughs> uh, Robin? Yeah, hi. My name is Robin Erickson. I am out of sorts and discombobulated, I think is my adjective, my word. Okay, uh, I'm Charlotte. I think I said I'm Charlotte. I'm the host for this exciting adventure that we call uh, Powered by Age. This is a program that's sponsored in part by 411 Senior Center and the City of Vancouver. And now to present to you the wonderful, inventive, storyteller, creative, wise woman, Kendra Crowell. <laughs> Thank you for that. You don't know me yet. <laughs> uh, first off, I'd like to explain what uh, Two-Spirited means. And uh, two-spirited means gender identity. If someone is two-spirited, their body has both a masculine and feminine side and can, can fill both gender roles, which I think is a, a talent. <laughs> um, my daughter, uh, she, my interpretation of my daughter is she, is she identifies as a transgender woman. Um, Gay is a sexual preference. Transgender is a gender identity preference. Um, first off, I'd like to tell you a story about, well, first off, my daughter and her husband were the first two to get married in British Columbia under the new uh, legislature. Like they, can, they were legally able to get married at uh, Bear Creek Park. And uh, I'm, I think we have a video of that. So maybe we can do the video first and then I can do, get into talking. Yes, Luke's gonna bring it up. 
I did the video, by the way, too. It was a six-minute video. I didn't think it would go viral the way it did. <laughs> Since you can't see the wedding and the music has no words, we're going to hear Skidgate Love Song by Lynn Williams Davidson. That song, by the way, won accolades at the Canadian Aboriginal Music Awards. I'm Charlotte Farrell, your own sister C, here at The Place to Be, CJSF Radio 90.1 in Burnaby, British Columbia. Today we're hearing a recording of yesterday's Powered by Age podcast discussion on raising a two-spirit child into healthy adulthood. We were honored to have as the presenter Kendra Crowell, an elder knowledge keeper and leader of an indigenous elders creativity group. Oh, would you like to share some things about what we were seeing? Uh, well, that wedding, the reason why I wanted you to see that first is because I never ever thought that would happen for her. I never thought she'd get married and be as happy as she is. Because of uh, the way society is, uh, there's a lot of people that aren't accepting as, uh, you know, for transgendered people or two-spirited gays. They, they don't accept a lot of stuff, especially in the workplace, school like you name it. So with all of that combined, I never thought that day would come, but it did. Yes. <laughs> See, when it comes to my daughter with working right now, uh, they, she'll get a job. And then once she gets a job, like as you can see her, a lot of people can't tell that she was born a male and she doesn't really like to advertise it. 
So when she gets a job, they will let her work for a while. But then when they find out she's uh, transgender, they make it impossible for her to do her job. They'll do whatever they can. They want her to quit because they, they don't know how to deal with it. People are not educated when it comes to that. And they're afraid of it. So <laughs> she's had it pretty tough. We were in a hospital one day. She had to go to the hospital. And uh, when they found out she was transgender, they wouldn't touch her for over 13 hours. They wanted to do a, an AIDS test on her and, you know, things like that. So when, um, when she was in the hospital for the second time, one of the paramedics was uh, gay. And she was the one who brought my daughter to the hospital. Mm -hmm. So when uh, she saw that my daughter was still there, she flipped out and she got mad. So they finally took care of my daughter after 13 hours, but they wouldn't touch her until they had all her test results back. It's been a tough road for her. In schools, I think that she uh, was had more problems with the teachers and the principals than she did the kids going to yeah. school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Pardon? I'm not surprised. I, yeah, like she really had it tough. They didn't know which bathroom to give her at school. So they would say, well, we can't let her go into the men's washroom and we can't let her go into the women's washroom. So what they decided to do was give her the principal's washroom, hmm. which she was in her glory because she would take her friends in there. <laughs> they would go and put on their makeup, change their clothes, sit for a while and have a blast, right? <laughs> yeah. So a lot of things that, that happened to her, there was good that came out of it. She went to Guilford Park School and uh, she got a, because of her, her, her culture, being Aboriginal, uh, she got a Courage Award for going to school like who she is i never allowed her to excuse the expression but i never allowed her to be in a closet she always expressed who she is and who she wanted to be and that's why she's such a strong person now so you know <laughs> what are some other things as a parent that you found were helpful in working with maybe even other parents now uh, the way my, my daughter dealt with each situation is, has been helpful in, in educating other parents on how to treat a situation. Like, um, for instance, going to school, some, there was one parent who um, her son wanted to be a woman, but he was only about eight, nine years old. So she didn't know whether or not to allow him to wear a dress to school, you know, or makeup nail polish, anything like that. And I said, he is who he wants to be. Allow him to be who he wants to be. Don't hold back. And that's what she did. She allowed him to go to school and kids were fine with it. In conversations with other family members, did you have people who challenged, wouldn't accept um, her as a, as a girl or wouldn't accept her this being two spirit? My family? Yes. Yeah, well, I come from a family of nine boys and three girls, me being one of the girls. And uh, there has been some problems with my family. A lot of them can't accept it because most of them are men's men. But my dad had a problem because Jerrica is the first 
firstborn grandchild to my family and uh, like to my dad. But whenever he talked to my daughter, he would always tell her, if you're going to come over to my place, I want you to leave who you are at the door and be normal. And I said, the only normal I know is on a cycle on a dryer. So, <laughs> so my dad and I, like, it has strained our relationships, but we're slowly getting back together because my daughter is older now. But when we found out, because back then, over 30 years ago, you didn't know about being transgender. It was either gay or lesbian or whatever, right? So we didn't know who she was at in the beginning. But then came the blame game is what I call it. Everybody blamed each other for her being gay. Like, you know, if we hadn't uh, let her wear makeup, she wouldn't be who she is now, like stuff like that, right? But it all worked out because I took my daughter to Winnipeg to meet her dad. And her dad has uh, several other children and they're gay. Transgender comes from her side of the, fa like his side of the family. So it started to become okay with my family that they didn't get blamed for her being who she is. So it was, it was a weird situation. <laughs> but she's good now. Like we're all getting, we're all learning to, uh, they're all learning to talk with her now at a, at a different level. Now that she's of age too, right? Right. Is she writing, did you, I understand you say that she's writing a book? No, she wants to. Mm -hmm. There is a book out there called Transgender Warriors that she hooked me up with. And I read it to understand her more because I didn't know, like, how do you raise someone who has, um, who's transgender, gay, or a lesbian? Like, how do you raise someone like that? There is no book out there for that. So you got to, I think what mine was, was I raised her the way she wanted me to raise her. Because when she was 13 years old, I took her to a motel room and I had asked her prior if she liked boys or girls. And she said she liked girls, but she was lying to me. So I took her to a motel and I put makeup and toys, boys toys and everything on a makeup mirror. And she kept passing it all weekend. And she looked at me and I said, if you want to play with something, you go ahead. She said, anything? I said, go ahead. So she separated everything. And she started playing with the makeup and everything. And then she turned and looked at me and said, Mom, I like boys. I said, okay, now I know how to raise you. <laughs> she's very smart. And she's a really hard worker. And it, it, when you see her in that video, I mean, a lot of people, when they look at her, they can't tell. But then when they do find out, they get a little upset that they didn't know. <laughs> I think I know that you you presenting things in four segments, but at this point where you're talking about raising a transgender child, uh, does anyone have questions that you'd like to ask, Kendra? I don't have a question, but I have a comment. Um, and I guess my comment, Kendra, is is partly congratulations, uh, because I think that it's a really brave and bold kind of standpoint as a parent to um, to be able to to just have such unconditional 
acceptance of who this little person is and, and what they want to be. And, and that, you know, oftentimes um, our big people aren't brave enough to allow our little people to really be the shiny things that they are um, in all that they are two spirited or, you know, whatever, whatever that, that may be. Um, because the, the, the normal box <laughs> is, you know, often how we try to shuffle, shuffle ourselves into so that there's some way of, of fitting in. Um, but the way that you approached raising your daughter, I think, um, really speaks to an integrity that you have. And so I'm really uh, interested in, in, in that um, because that, yeah, I guess that's part and parcel of how your daughter, how you can speak so highly of your daughter um, also comes from that integrity that you took on to raise your daughter as your daughter. Well, um, with her right now, like her and her husband, they find it hard to even rent a place because they're married. They're a gay couple is what they're, what the society sees them as. So they, we live together. We've been living together for about eight years now and it's a perfect match. We love being with each other, you know, but they cannot go out and just say, you know, I, I would like to rent this apartment. And as soon as they find out that they're gay, there's a no all the time. So their lives are made miserable. So that's where I step in as a parent to help them out, right? How it's do they find out? I mean, what is it about the rental documents that would give, let a, a renter or a landlord know? It's, a lot of times it's the, her appearance sometimes. And a lot of times it's neighbors will say something that's why we've had to move around a lot is because of that right because a neighbor would find out and instead of fighting them we just moved but it's on her paper like her name isn't legally changed yet it her real name is Jarrett but she's she identifies as Jerrica I see. so they're working on getting her name changed and like it's they're so open and and honest about themselves too that um, there is a law in BC or in Canada that states if my daughter was across the street and one of you knew she was a guy and you ran up and you beat her, she would get charged for concealing her identity, not you. That law still on the books? Yes. See, I, when I first found out my daughter was transgender, we did a lot of research on it. And I did a lot of research when I first found out she was gay, but I had to go to the library and find out a lot of things. And the suicide rate was crazy. So that was one of my decisions is to raise her the way she wanted to be raised and try to make it as simple as I could for her, which is impossible. But, you know, she wound up, we wound up finding out this information because of the research we were doing. And she was attacked one day at uh, a bus stop by other women. They, they beat her up because of who she is. And the police officer who dealt with the case said to me, why didn't she just beat them up? And I said, well, she's a, a guy. And she said, so what? There was six of them on her because my daughter wouldn't fight back, right? 
she had her lips split, everything. So because of that law, she didn't do anything because she figured she would be charged for it. <laughs> it's crazy, but it, it's true. <laughs> Does anybody have questions or anything? I, do. Um, I thought that it is illegal under the Human Rights Act or Human Rights Code to discriminate uh, against a person in renting uh, a home uh, based on their um, sexual identity. That's true, but it doesn't mean that they're not going to do it because they of do course. do it. Oh, yeah. yeah. They do do it, right? They don't care about the law a lot of the oh, time. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot so, of, and a lot of uh, gay or transgender people just don't want to bother to get into it. I, you know, in my years in the downtown east side, I am um, quite a number of, uh, gay and transgender people in uh, my adult classes and um what disgusted me the students were fine they they, they they were fine my colleagues a couple of my colleagues i spoke to the union if they did attitude it was i was disgusted yeah with the attitude of some of my my colleagues i said what so i have hope this younger generation the millennials seem pretty cool yeah and now they're getting into positions of authority and teaching and things like that. So hopefully things get better for these kids. Well, there is, uh, I have some friends that we're looking for a place right now. And I have some friends that have been on Craigslist and things like that. And they've sent me uh, advertisements where there is people that are looking to rent to gay couples and stuff because they said that they're more trustworthy. So something else, something else is out there, right? <laughs> yeah, it's very sad thing, Kendra, that, you know, if something's against the law, and I know, you know, landlords think they can get away with anything right now because of the housing shortage. Yes. But if something's against the law and you just go along with it, they're just getting away with it. Yeah, but you got to pick your fights too, right? Like yeah. there's so many of them, like who do you go up against? And I think the issue too, it's not like free law. You know, there's some types of, of cases, accidents, you can get lawyers who take a case on contingency. But have you found when you've tried to get help of a lawyer that, you know, that there's a fee or are there lawyers in human rights that just offer their services? With me, it's, they always want a fee. Mm -hmm. I haven't met one yet that has just offered their services. And that's the issue I found with people when they ask that question, why, why do you just go along that, that, you know, they call numerous lawyers and the lawyers tell them, well, uh, you know, there's a fee of what's your budget. They, they really, I don't know, does anyone know if there is any legal practice, human relations, well, what human about rights the, practice lawyers? What about the people's law court? Not, not, well, a natural um, um, group of lawyers who um, do do poverty law in terms of um, oh, the people's people. law yeah. school. That's what it's called. Well, yes. no, I'm thinking of the Pivot Legal Society. Oh, okay. Uh, Pivot Legal Society does do pro bono work. Hmm. That's good to know. IVOT. Yeah. I think the thing, just of people that. I've discussed this with is that 
there's so few lawyers in the area and so many people who have cases, whether it's violations in school or at work, that there's just a waiting list. And if there's an urgency to move or get into a place, you know, as Kendra said, it's, it's easier to just move on than to stick trying to get a lawyer to help you fight the case. Yes. It's like for me, myself, if I, if I uh, obtained a lawyer, I'd be fighting everybody all the time, right? So you just got to uh, pick your fights, like I said. There's so many of them. Who do you go against, right? And then once you do take a, a landlord to court, do you really want to live there anymore? <laughs> so there's that too, right? Like it's, it, it starts a ripple effect is what I call it. So you got to be careful on what you do and who you talk to. Like we don't talk to a lot of our neighbors around here. A lot of them are totally dead set against transgender. And with me, the more questions you ask about transgender or gays or whatever I can help you with, the more educated you are. It's a difficult situation. Like a lot of lawyers are not educated enough to know about transgender, so who do you go to? I was thinking right right away, and there are a lot of good organizations, and I think that they should get together and get very political about this. Yes. Look at the law of the land. And at least with uh, housing, that's prevention jurisdiction. And the province can write that into uh, the laws of BC, at least, but to yeah. make it federal jurisdiction. And for all that but it's not an opposite it's not, gender it's not just housing it's uh being able to work too because my mm -hmm. daughter's been in positions where some very high companies didn't know she was transgender but then once they found out they made it difficult for her to uh to work like in one instance everybody was wearing the sh same shirts and they would they all had the, the the size they wanted but they would give my daughter an extra large to cover her what she calls her junk right so they made it impossible for her to to really like the job and as soon as they found out they were doing things to her that she was like mom i can't do this anymore it's it's really hard on her <laughs> it's you know that's why she's not working now so instead of not working and going out and working in society she created her own job at home <laughs> so that's the kind of uh, uh when there's a problem that arises she knows how to how to fix it for herself you mentioned that within your culture there have been some things that have given you some resolution or, or peace in dealing with these challenges well one thing um my children, both my kids, growing up, they know that when there's uh, women working in the kitchen and cooking and cleaning, if they need help, you go help them. So we go to some uh, Aboriginal functions and my daughter and I would go into the kitchen and we'd say to them, would you like some help? And they'd look at me and say, yes, you can come and help, but she's got to go sit down. And we're like, okay. So my daughter started getting upset thinking, oh my God, they don't even want me in the kitchen because I'm, you know, a transgender. So then I talked to the women and I said, why is it you don't want her in the kitchen? And they said, because she's too spirited. She's highly honored in our culture. So she doesn't come in the kitchen. We serve her. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was like, cool. So I let her know. So then she started coming to all the functions. 
and it, she was able to do the things in our culture that most people wouldn't allow her to do, like, you know, sit and be honored. <laughs> That's one thing that really helped out is her showing her that she is accepted in, uh, in, in the community, right? <laughs> Plus makeup tips, anything to do with makeup or hair or anything. She's really good at advising everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so they really like that clothes <laughs> what about I, I think there was a, a program that talked about smoke lodges and um, at the indigenous bookstore they had, there was a reading and someone was reading about being accepted two spirit people being accepted in the smoke lodge do you know anything about that uh, yeah they're they're really highly honored um, put it this way, you know, in uh, the Calgary Stampede, you know, when they put up the pole and then you see uh, Aboriginals running around it with ribbons, tying the ribbon around the pole, they're all transgender. Oh. And for being, well, because our culture, uh, they believe that what, it, what I had said, that uh, two-spirited people can give you the advice of a man or a woman, right? So they are hi highly honored. A lot of the transgender are uh, in our my my culture is um, they're shamans, and they believe they're they're magical is what they believe that they they have some kind of special powers, which I believe they do. <laughs> but the longhouse, they are they are highly uh, honored in the, in the longhouse too. You're, they they when it comes to our sacred medicines like the sage and um, the sweet grass and the tobacco and things like that. When it comes to that, they don't want two-spirited people to touch it because they can absorb all the uh, energy from the medicine. So that's why they're not allowed to touch it. Okay. Does anyone have a question about that? Say, Luke, if you were at an auction, I'd say you bought it. This <laughs> 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 is making hand signs. Uh, I hope I'm making sense to everybody. This is my first time doing this and talking about it. So I got so many thoughts in my head and they're overrunning each other. <laughs> you know, uh, someone mentioned at a different program that there are a hundred different nations within Canada. So when you say your culture, what is there a specific nation that you're speaking of? Well, I'm Métis. I'm a Red River Métis. I'm from Manitoba. And there is First Nations out here too. So it's all within that umbrella, all the Aboriginals. Mm -hmm. And for people who may not know, what's the, what's the difference in Métis and First Nations? Métis, uh, Métis is a nice way of saying uh, half-breed. And First Nations is full-blooded. They're, they're like a Cree would be full Cree, you know, things like that. We're, we're what somebody said the other day is a Heinz 57. So we got a little bit of everything in us. <laughs> oh, I can go on about the Métis. <laughs> I could claim Métis. <laughs> yes, you could. You could. Uh, okay, so um, going forth, what are some ways that people could be helpful with people, either parents or people dealing with some of the issues that you've mentioned? Educate yourself. Pick your fights. Educate yourself on uh, transgender, gays, lesbians. Do a lot of research. 
uh, talk to people. The more you talk, the more educated people become on it, right? Because a lot of people would ask me questions and be afraid to, to ask me. And I always told them, ask, because the more you ask, the more you're educated. Be open-minded too. <laughs> Do um, do the Métis and the BC Indigenous groups, do they have similar views on Two-Spirit or? Yes, they're very accepting on uh, Two-Spirited. There is, um, is going around where you will see an Aboriginal person standing there and then they take a brush to the camera and when the brush comes back, they're in full regalia and some of them are men that go into the women mode, so it's it's beautiful. <laughs> See, with my daughter, a lot of people don't understand that when I get up in the morning, I get up, I shower, I get dressed, and I go. She has to get up in the morning, shave, you know, she has to go from being a man to a woman, right? And it's a long process for her. It's hard. It's hard for her in mornings. I know it is. <laughs> it takes up the bathroom a lot. <laughs> so she has elected, you know, not to use any of the hormones or things that change a person's um, you know change their their appearance so that she has to she she's not using any of the hormone suppressors no she was also one of the what one of the first ones to go on the waiting list for when they brought the surgery out here the um i forget the name of the surgery i'm sorry it just slipped my mind but uh she was one of the first ones to get the surgery and she didn't want it she doesn't want to change who she is she likes being who she is and she doesn't take hormones, but she does get the uh, stuff done to her face where it takes off her beard. You wouldn't know, like it, by looking at her, you wouldn't know that she was male to female unless you could really, really tell, you know what I mean? So, but she, it's all her. Everything you see is her. <laughs> is no hormone. That, isn't that called electrolysis? Yes. Yes. See, we got relatives who do that, so she gets she gets to do it through her her uh, cousin. But that's as far as she wants to go. She doesn't want to go for the surgery or anything, right? So, and her husband's happy. They're happy. They're they're a great couple. So, and she met him in Kamloops <laughs> at at a job. <laughs> but I have another son too, who is he's twenty six. And he's all male, you know, he's man, a man's man type thing, right? So I was able to raise two children from different worlds, <laughs> different communi communities. That's quite a balance. Yes, but it's been fun and it's, I love a challenge. So, you know, with one with one child I had to be overprotective and the other child I didn't so and I'm an overprotective mom anyway so <laughs> well I feel like I need to just say one thing and that is is that good for her or him yeah. 
uh, I'm not only open-minded, I'm open-hearted. And uh, I guess that means I'll have sex with anybody. <laughs> well, she's a tough cookie, I tell you that. She's taught me, I think she's taught me more than I could ever teach her. But that's what our children are for, is that they're, yeah. they're, they're, they are to show their parents how close-minded they are and how to open up our hearts and our minds and our compassion. Yes, that's so true. I'll go, I'll go back to being mute now. <laughs> no, but that's a valuable point because it's, and I think, you know, with so many children now being closed in with their parents that more parents have had the opportunity to become advocates for their children. Like, you know, how do you think with the issue, like some people being told to take their children back to school at a time when doctors are saying it may not be safe for children to go back to school. Do you think people now that they've spent more time with their children are more likely to be stronger advocate, advocates for their kids? Let's hope. Let's hope. Yeah. Or, or know them a lot better than what they did. Like being involved with them more, right? How have you found with art and with, you know, I know people try and typecast particular things to boys and to girls, like uh, in my house, you know, if you, I have sons and I have my sons, they know how to cook, they know how to clean, but we had other people who said, oh, boys shouldn't be housekeeping or, you know, they shouldn't be sewing. You find your sister to do the sewing. Uh, did you have to clarify any uh, people who were trying to give you woe cast for your sons? Are you talking to me? Yes. Yeah, they um, put it this way. Both my kids are chefs and both of them know how to sew. They know how to clean. They know how to look after children when need be. So I think that I never heard, I never listened to what other people said. I just did what I believed my children needed, right? You know, I, one time I was in Kansas City at a conference and I'm sitting up in the, it was a, at an arena and I'm sitting up in the, in the higher, just to stay out of the way. And I was knitting because I, was, I had just begun to, I'd learned to knit. I had a little eight-year-old, circa eight-year-old, seven-year-old, maybe nine-year-old girl come sit beside me and say, you know, you can't do that. Hmm. So that early, she's already know that men do not knit. And by the way, I gave it up eventually as a lost cause, but <laughs> but, but, but that's not, that has only to do with my dexterity and not to do with little girls telling me you can't do that. Wow. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I lived in a culture, I lived in China for a while, and I got to tell you is that the, my friend who was gay, is that his his existence depends on being quiet and being secret, and uh, it's you know it'll take us a while to change what we are here to learn. It I believe is compassion, 
And that begins with compassion for ourselves because we're human beings and it's hard to be a human being. And we bring up all these experiences to teach us about compassion. And I hear that your daughter, Kendra, I hear that your daughter, uh, son, I, I love him already, uh, her, her already. I mean, not only is she gorgeous in that in that video, but she's also very, very courageous. And she's learning to have compassion for herself because she's bringing all these experiences to her that says, you're not supposed to love yourself. And she's saying, piss on you. I want to learn to love myself. And that's... That, that's the only lesson that we can ever learn is, is that if we can learn to love ourselves then we're open and loving to the world. That's, yes. my, that's my point of view. And I think she's wonderful. Totally. And she's chosen a path, you know, in my book, I wrote a, uh, my, I, there's a, uh, there's, in fact, it's on my website and it's called, it's a poem called it's only a dollar. And it's about the gift that we give to the world by living our truth. So if you're a hobo on the street begging money, you're giving me an opportunity to experience my compassion. Not for him, but for myself. Wow, that's beautiful, thank you. Mm. Give, give, give her my blessing or my my I don't know what a, my approval <laughs> she don't need my approval but anyway it's all about love she she does have a YouTube channel and there is a segment on there where her followers asked her questions about her and her husband and asked about how her husband deals with it and on uh, this on an everyday basis. So I suggest if you want to get to know her more, please watch the videos. Oh, he does really you good. say or spell her name so people could find her on YouTube. It's Jerrica, J-E-R-R-I-K-A McBride, capital M, small C, capital B, R-I-D-E. She's got a few of them on there. She's also, like the business I was telling you about is, she's, I bought her a Barbie doll about three years ago, just as, as a gift, because she always liked Barbies when she was younger too, and I always let her play with them. So I bought her this one Barbie doll. Now she's got over 500 Barbie dolls, and she collects them and refurbishes them and then sells them. That's so really yeah, so like the way she thinks in her mind, she doesn't care what people think. She just does, right? Like <laughs> she's a sweetheart and very smart. She scares me sometimes. <laughs> it shows, you know, how you raised her to be independent and loving. That word you said at the beginning uh, and that Neil has said a few times, uh, the challenge to us to love ourselves. And if we love ourselves enough, then we can love other people love the self that other people yes. project, are projecting. Well, when she was going through school, there was no uh, transgender uh, support groups. So she created her own. <laughs> and it got really good too. 
It's called Queerlings. I think it's still in effect. And what did she do with the do that group? She would um, have uh, other um, people in the community would come and join with her and talk about being gay, lesbian, transgender. It was a support group for everybody involved. And she got quite the, the clientele, I tell you. A lot of people showed up. And she had counselors there that would come and just try to learn from her on what was going on, right? So she was one of the first ones. She was a pioneer, I think. I'm just so proud of her. <laughs> she did the first on everything. <laughs> Getting married, you know. <laughs> well, I, you know, um, Kendra mentioned that she is interested in writing a book. So we have writers. We have writers in the house. So maybe over uh, these you know, few weeks, we can encourage her in writing her book or in sharing it. You know, she has sections, uh, chapters or stories, you know, she could definitely, you know, share them with our podcast group. Well, if, if we could get her involved in something like this, she can talk and she's very uh, educated when it comes to talking about this, right? So to get to know her, like I said, if you look at her channel, her YouTube channel, you, were, you will see where I'm coming from. That wedding doesn't do her justice. <laughs> her, her wedding video got, I forget how many views on YouTube, but when I did it, I did it and I sent it to her. She posted it and it just went crazy. Everybody, everybody loves that video. You know, it's so affirming and positive that, you know, why not? Why wouldn't yeah. anyone love it? And it's intergenerational. You know, I know people listening to the podcast can't see it, but if you go to her website, you'd be able to see uh, this wedding. It was shot by mom. Yes. Yes. And my mom was there and my aunt, which they uh, were witnesses for my daughter's wedding. The day she got married was my grandmother's birthday. So it all, everything all fit in the color purple for my mom, right? Like that day, we only had like three months to get, pull this wedding off. So, and we did it. And uh, being chefs, we were able to cut corners. So it cost us less than $300 to do her wedding. <laughs> and, and finding a minister, did you have a, any, how easy was it to find a minister to do the ceremony? They actually, it was, that wasn't hard at all. She, they, um, um, I forget how they found, found her, but she was a, be a beautiful person to do the wedding. She came in, did it, and there was no problems with her. And when they talked to her on the phone, she had no problems either. Like she didn't question who they were or anything. And it was all done legally, right? So it was like, nice. <laughs> yeah. That would be a good thing in the stories. One of the things that our, our group, our podcasters is, is doing is um, lifeline stories. And these are stories that would go into a, a reservoir uh, at the library, initially a reservoir at uh, 411 Center, but just interesting things because who would know who was the first person to have a legal transgender wedding in BC, that there was even yes. laws against it. So, you know, maybe we can look forward to um, having someone interview her to capture her story for this reservoir. Sure. 
Well, she, when uh, we were in the park and she, right after they got married and they were taking pictures, there was uh, a bunch of people around who thought she was a Kardashian. <laughs> they, they wanted their picture taken with her so she couldn't refuse but she told them she wasn't a Kardashian and they said we don't care you're pretty <laughs> that was a wonderful spirit well does anyone else have any questions or comments um, for one thing too, on her YouTube channel, she does, she does, uh, drag shows. There's, uh, a lady that she knows, her name is Miss Adrian, and she always has Jerrica perform. And I've gone to a lot of the drag shows and I love them. They all know me there. I'm the heckler in the crowd. <laughs> that's my baby. <laughs> I think that's one of the things people have lamented, you know, this year with pride uh, across the, the country and world, that drag shows are usually abundant and, you know, that a lot of the locations haven't been able to have an audience. They do have them um, on, uh, they are starting to do them on uh, the YouTube channels and things now too, or virtual is what I'm looking for. Right. Yeah. In this Zoom era, maybe we can have a virtual drag show. <laughs> there you go. I can get the entertainers. <laughs> We're looking at ways to uh, include movement as well as um, engagement. Because with sitting, I, I was at a conference this weekend. And again, they're talking about sitting is detrimental to us all. We have pains in the butt. We have legs that need more circulation. And so some people are in, in including, you know, get up and move, uh, just different ways of being able to have movement. So definitely, you know, that's something that we can look at. And uh, you mentioned a jigger that, that that's someone that we will be inviting in September to do a program. Could you say yes, a little bit about what that is? Jigging is, uh, you can Google that too, but when it comes to jigging, I'm not as familiar with it as this Bev Lambert is. She teaches it. She can, uh, she does uh, skits on YouTube. Um, jigging is when you move your feet really fast and there, there's different um, steps that they do that has meaning to it. They can jig over a broom, a belt. Like if they wear, uh, they all wear the same uniforms, like a little skirt, uh, ribbon skirt. The boys wear a ribbon shirt. Um, it's if you Google it, you will see. I could never do it. My son was a champion at it, but I could never do it. And my mom could jig, but I couldn't. So jigging will be coming to us in September. <laughs> yes, yes. When it comes to jigging, I'm not really familiar with it all, right? I'm more into the kitchen <laughs> and the foods. Okay, so to give a, a preview to next week, next week we're going to be talking about walkability, walkability issues in Vancouver. Uh, walkability is a part of the city plan for Vancouver. And uh, Neil and Judith are working away with something that's going to be an engaging, interesting program. So tune in next Thursday as we get your views and get you up and walking and encouraging the city to make Vancouver a more walkable place as something that uh, is part of an age-friendly city. Thank you, Kendra. Thank you, you guys. I know I've 
was all uh, over the place, but. <laughs> thanks, Ken. No, that was great. It was really in, inspiring and really exciting and fun. Very much, Kendra. Thank yeah, you. thank you, Kendra. I was the reason I was late today is that I was at another Zoom cast about community accessibility, and we had a wonderful speaker. And one of the quotes that what you said about your daughter reminded me of what she said: "Is create the space that you want to be part of." Yes. Hmm. Boy, you just put everything into perspective for hmm. me by saying that. <laughs> nice touch. <laughs> Nice closing. Thank you so much, Kendra, for sharing and enlightening us and starting another conversation that we can have with others and among ourselves. Sure. And if anybody ever has questions, you can either contact me or maybe I can get my daughter to speak with you because she's, I'll see if she'll come on one day. Okay. And Kendra, what would be the best way for people? Maybe you could put your information in the chat if you don't want to make it like into a public. public. Uh, I can just say my phone number and everybody can, because you can call me at any time. I'm an open book. Has everybody got a pen? 778 <laughs> Thanks, Kendra. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Okay. Take care. We'll be powering up and seeing you again next week. Or hearing, here we see each other. <laughs> and, and a day will come during September. We're going to be doing some uh, some of our Zooms where we, uh, you'll be able to see us on YouTube. So have a great week. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Love is a desired quality and experience across race, gender, and age lines. That's why whenever someone asks me what time it is, why, it's love time, poem time. See you next time. Love time, poem time. Love time, poem time. Love time, poem time. Time for words from heaven to shine. Love time, poem time, time for words to pattern and rhyme. Love time, poem time, time for words to wash the wounds, bind the lashes and play bassoon. Love time, poem time, time for poems, poets and singers, time to untie all life's ringers. Poem time, love time, time for you to reveal to me, unravel all your mystery. Time for joy and utter grace, rest from toiling in this place. Place of poems, place of words, place for love instead of swords. Love time, poem time, poem time, love time, love time, poem time.
and times for words from heaven to shine. Love time, poem time, time for words to pattern and rhyme. Love time, poem time, times for words to wash the wounds, bind the lashes and play bassoon. Love time, poem time, poem time, love time. Time for poems, poets, singers, time to untie all life's ringers. Time for you to reveal to me, unravel all your mystery. Time for joy and utter grace.